Gary Kay's Almost Daily Rants and Raves. The Week. The Women in AV Wavecast. Green AV. Hello, listeners, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Joel Rollins, and this is The Week on Rave Radio. This week, I've been hearing a lot about two different things. First, the news from Cedia, and second, the government shutdown, and how each of those things will affect us in the industry. So, first, I talked to Sarah Abrams of Rave, who's just back from Cedia, about what happened there. And then I gathered a number of different contacts in the industry in my lunchroom and had a talk about the shutdown. And you're going to hear both those things. Anyway, we'll be doing that in just a few minutes. In the meantime, let me remind you that the week is brought to you by HyperSign. HyperSign makes a truly innovative product line for digital signage. As a matter of fact, one of the guests in my lunchroom today is Neil Willis, and another is Mike Whitman, both of HyperSign, and they'll be expressing their opinions on the shutdown and how it can affect the various parts of our business. Uh, but anyway, you can find out more about their unique signage solution at www.hypersign.com. The week is also brought to you by Atlas Sound, who make a huge variety of audio products to fill a lot of different needs in the AV industry, and you can find more about them at www.atlassound.com. But listen, while you're here on Rave Radio, take a listen to our other podcasts, like the Green AV Podcast, the Wavecast from Women in AV, and Gary Kay's Almost Daily Rants and Raves. You can find them all at www.ravepubs.com and on iTunes. Here, on the week, we're going to try to address the most important items we see in AV News for the week, and we bring you a range of guests for a conversation about subjects important to our industry. Uh, but anyway, without further ado, let's talk about what's going on this week in the world of AV. In general news items, first, JVC Professional has announced a new line of home theater projectors that incorporate a new imaging device, upgraded version of their eShift technology, 4K compatibility, and a user-selectable intelligent lens aperture. The entire line is DILA-based and has a new wire grid polarizer. JVC has also added a user-selectable intelligent lens aperture that is specced to allow for deeper blacks. And projectors equipped with the 4K eShift 3, the latest iteration of the company's eShift technology, feature a 4K signal input at 60 Hz, so that now both 4K and 2K sources can be displayed as 3840 by 2160 images. The new projectors use three sixth-generation JVC DILA imaging devices. The new device features a pixel gap that's 40% narrower than the previous chip for a smoother picture, a 10% improvement in light efficiency for a light output of about 1300 lumens, and improved native contrast, which is also enhanced by a new third-generation wire-grid optical engine. From Christie, they've added a 46-inch LCD cube to its line in the form of the Intero FHD 461X, a 1920x1080 resolution direct LED-lit LCD that's specified at 4,000 to 1 contrast ratio and with a brightness of 700 nits. The bezel is only 0.13 inches or 3.4 millimeters top and left and 0.08 inches or 2 millimeters bottom and right. Inputs include two HDCP compliant HDMI ports, VGA, DisplayPort, and DVI. This is an Energy Star compliant display that uses only half a watt in standby. It can be mounted horizontally or vertical in a video wall application. Uh, in addition, it uses a true commercial grade LCD panel and has an anti-glare coating. 
One unique feature is that you can control up to 25 panels through a single RS-232 port using Christie's Video Wall Toolbox software on a remote PC. Whether Crestron dealers and partners need a module to drop into a Crestron system or they want to sell one they've designed, the new Crestron application market, applicationmarket.crestron.com, is the place to go. Crestron partner modules are created specifically to support popular AV, security, lighting, HVAC, and other diverse products using Crestron's RS-232 and IP communications protocols. They are all labeled by Crestron as drag-and-drop modules designed to let you add third-party products into Crestron systems. Crestron says the site features simple navigation and enhanced search tools, making it easy to sort through the thousand-plus modules to locate the one you need. Nanolumens today announced its Studio Pro series LED displays for broadcast studio and live events applications. Launched last week at Atlanta Regional Section of the SMPTE September meeting, Studio Pro gives users the flexibility of using a curved or flat LED screen. The company claims to have eliminated the annoyances of pixelation, moiré artifacts, and inconsistent color while cutting down on studio lighting conflicts and noisy operation with its Studio Pro Series 2. At Cedia, this is interesting, Staples, the world's largest office products company and second largest internet retailer, announced Staples Connect, an exclusive offering that lets customers' home or office technology interact and be controlled by a single app. Staples is promoting it to end users as, with the touch of a button, Staples Connect lets customers shut down their office, turn off the lights, lower shades, lock doors, while at the same time turning on their lights and heat at home. Staples Connect consists of a multi-platform app and a universal hub that allows a multitude of devices to talk to each other. The Staples Connect hub, which is basically a Linksys router, will be available online and in a limited number of Staples stores for $99 this November. Customers can handpick products from some of the biggest names in lighting control and lighting, like Lutron, Philips, and GE, Climate controlled by Honeywell, door lock brands like Yale and First Alert, etc. Staples Connect, unfortunately for CIs, is easy to set up for co consumers, but installation will also be available through Staples EasyTech services. Customers can either select a starter kit or choose specific products and services to start with and add new devices as they go. This one will be really interesting. Can Staples, who can never seem to have my ink cartridge in stock, actually do a system integration. We'll see. Anyway, you can find out more as news breaks on this and many other stories at www.ravepubs.com. And now, let's go on with our two interviews for the week. First up, we'll be joining in progress a short phone call I had earlier today with Sarah Abrams about what she saw and heard at this year's Cedia show. What were you hearing at Cedia? Oh, okay. Oh, I'm, you're recording me? I am. <laughs> Let me think. I actually did not hear very much at Cedia about the shutdown since they do not cover the government market. But I would say that in general, I thought that the traffic was a little up um, and that people seemed seemed sort of like more positive about the way the industry is moving, um, even for the home market. But another thing of note is that I have never seen so much commercial so many commercial products at CDA Expo. Like there were some last year, which we wrote about, but this year it was in every booth that was of significant size. There was 
um, a good number of commercial products being shown, everything from video conferencing to digital signage to solutions for sports bars and restaurants and things like that. Um, so that definitely shows that the residential guys are still doing commercials to sort of keep their businesses afloat. Sure. But it did seem like people were feeling more positive about the industry and the future and everything like that. What was the exciting product of the show? Oh, man, that's hard to to say. Uh, I saw a ton of HD-based tea products, um, more 4K. One thing of note on the audio side was that now every single audio manufacturer in the residential market is making underground subwoofers. Every single one of them had one of those. Um, as far as an exciting product, I didn't, like, I didn't really feel like I was blown away by any demos this year that I saw. Um, it was more just trends and things like that you still you're still seeing a lot of um lower priced uh more entry-level custom install type things coming into the market uh savant introduced a entry-level sort of home automation control system that starts at a thousand dollars and it is geared towards the custom install market it's not meant to be a a diy solution um but we also saw more simple diy stuff uh, like standalone lighting control, Bluetooth, Zigbee, Z-Wave, um, like little things like that. Uh, one big announcement was Nest, who makes the um, the thermostat, H the thermostat, which you're probably familiar with since it was designed by the guys who designed the Apple iPod, uh, made an announcement that they are opening up their API to third parties. Um, so it looks like they are going to be kind of moving more into the home automation control market themselves. Like they're going to let future Nest controllers control other products besides just um, your your HVAC system. So we could see it controlling security, could involve video, um, other home control. I mean, we could realistically seeing be seeing Nest exhibiting at Cedia in a year or two competing sure. with big control companies. Um, right well, with now, everything controlling every, everything else, do we even need to be involved anymore? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's definitely uh, one thing. I mean, even even Crestron made some announcements that seemed like it was bypassing the custom installer a little bit, like their integration with, they're integrating directly some with um some smart TVs, like the ones from Samsung and sure. other manufacturers. Yeah. Was there any reaction at the show to Apple being named the number one brand in the world? I don't know if that actually came out. Was that did that come out before the show? I would have been Friday night. I, I didn't. Okay, I didn't hear anything about it at the show, but you know the, the traffic is very light on Saturday, which is the only day it would have been there after that announcement, but. I'm sure it doesn't surprise any custom integrators to hear that Apple's number one brand actually kind of assumed myself that that had already been established. <laughs> no, actually, it was, um, it was interesting because sure Apple of... took number one for the first time in 13 years away from Coke. And Coke Google, from Coca-Cola. Google took number two. Oh, interesting. Yeah, as the world's most recognized um, brands. It's fascinating stuff. They actually interbrand valued the Apple brand and logo at $100 billion. That's amazing. Yeah, it really is. And when you consider that they're not talking about um, property or the corporation, they're talking about the value of the logo. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Amazing stuff. That's crazy. 
anyway. Yeah, I, every time. Pardon? Every time somebody, every time Apple receives criticism, it always seems like that they kind of show everyone up again. Like, you know, the iPhone, everyone was underwhelmed with the announcement, allegedly, but now it's the best-selling iPhone of all time. So it, It's continually the They're best. Gonna... And, of course, every other product that comes out is the new iPhone killer. This is the one that's going to do it. Yes. And I think people undervalue yeah, the idea exactly. that it's an ecosystem and not a product. That, that yeah. you're, you're buying into something that's way bigger than the phone that you put in your pocket. You know, we all predicted what happened with BlackBerry last week. But this is, mm-hmm. that's just crazy. I mean, in one day, I actually have a friend who went out and bought the new one on the first day and then was told they weren't going to make it anymore on the second. I'm going to try and get an interview with him for oh my gosh. this week. <laughs> anyway, listen, I'll let that you get back to work. Um, awful. Sarah, if you're listening, my apologies for the way I sprang that on you. Uh, Anyway, for all of you out there, remember there is an enormous amount of information about all the exhibits and products shown at Cedia, complete with video interviews and demonstrations, and they're all at www.ravepubs.com. Now, I'm going to do something the week has never done before, invite you to our lunchroom. This week, Neil Willis and Mike Whitman of Hypersign are visiting us here And they, and two members of my staff, Mike McRae and Scott Gottlieb, and myself, all got to talking about the shutdown. So, I started recording. What you'll hear is the unvarnished conversation and represents our personal opinions and questions about the shutdown and the potential effect on the industry. Okay, let's talk about the shutdown. Um, been talking to people all around the industry for the last several days about what might happen with it. I mean, obviously, those who do a lot of government contracting uh, are already worried about you know funds slowing down. From our point of view here at Everett Hall, we'd be worried about federal funding for some of the schools that we deal with slowing down, uh, although we haven't heard that yet. In that our industry is relatively separated from, unless you're doing government contracting, is relatively separated from that. How could that affect business? Let me just psych- psychologically. Um, well, well, psychologically, uh, it, 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 sure. motivation actually yeah, it came to mind. Motivation. Um, you know, ironically, just as we were supposed to be getting our sea legs back um, in the economy, um, you know, for this to happen at this particular time, it, I think instills a sense of insecurity, uh, uneasiness. Um, yeah. And uh, if it's just a self-fulfilling prophecy that, well, wait, let's not expend those funds now. Let's see what happens in the next few months, how they resolve this. Are we going to get to October 17th before they resolve? Or is it really going to go off the cliff? Um, And until then, I'm going to keep the purse strings closed. Well, I mean, it's no different from what's going on now between, think about what happened last year. I mean, we... Every company we did business with, but I think all companies around, at least in this area, they're all doing, waiting to see exactly what happened come after the November election. They wanted to know who was going to be president before they decided what they were going to do for the following year. Whether it made any difference, whether it had uh, Romney won versus Obama, I think every company still had the same mindset, but we're all, now our, it seems like business is all geared towards elections based on we have to wait to find out what's going to take place before we start making more decisions. I, I don't know if it really does have 
I don't even know if whoever wins or loses has any effect. It's just the election now is a, is a benchmark based on when when companies decide what they're going to do for the following year. Well, I think no matter what happens now, it's all about confidence, right? I mean, does this have does the does the national parks being shut today have any real immediate effect on business? I don't think so. What I do hear, though, I talked to friends last night from a European company. I talked to another friend we all know, Dave Stout at LSU, and they talk. They worry about things like funding not coming through. But the Europeans, one of the things they just kept saying was, what it does is it shakes our faith in the U.S. economy, and the U.S. economy is something like sixty percent of what we do in our business a year. Right? I mean, the United States. You know, for a long time we thought Infocom was a U.S. organization, and it acted like one for for most of the time. And you know, the big reason for that was that we were the bulk of the the AV and and electronics market. Uh, and I think that what you know what we're hearing more than anything else is the I don't know what's going to happen next. Now here in in Southern Connecticut, that has a paralyzing effect on business. I mean, because we have investment companies, and if they don't know what's going to happen next, we're in trouble. Neil, what do you think? Well, I think a lot of what drives the uh, continuing, you know, tornado effect or typhoon effect, you just kind of touched on it, was fear. It's not necessarily the, the initial cause of what's happening, but it causes it to become such more of a mushroom effect than it really is because people get scared, they don't spend, businesses start holding back budgets, it ends up affecting that downfall effect, the domino effect of everybody else. And therefore, we get a little bit of information on the news about this happening, and even though that activity may not affect us directly that much, it's the indirect effect, it's all the fear that, that, have, that it instills inside of businesses, business leaders, even individuals, that, okay, well, I don't know what's gonna happen, so what I'm gonna do is just, I'm gonna end up just, you know, I'm gonna control, and, and you, you, kind of, you, you actually, you took, a, you took kind of a proactive approach to saying, okay, well, in case anything happens, because everybody else gets scared, I'm gonna, my money's gonna be in a safe place. And, uh, but I think some people just say, listen, I'm just not going to spend. I'm not going to, I'm not going to buy anything. All my RFPs are going to be on hold, uh, you know, because I just don't know. And I, I, I was, was watching ESPN last night, and something I never imagined, never thought of, is that the Air Force football game has been canceled. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now the, okay. they can't watch, you know, as an Air Force, you know, I, they can't watch. They can't and and you're ex Air Force, right? Yeah, that's right. And, so. and think about the money that they get from uh, the television and what have you. You know, to help funding, you know, the NCAA. That that's a huge factor. I mean, imagine if this continues to the point where the Army Navy game doesn't get held. You know, I mean, that's a huge money maker. Huge money. Absolutely. Maker. Absolutely. And and for the region that it's held in is an enormous. Oh my God, this will bring thirty million dollars in here in a hurry. Mm -hmm. And lots of events that are that way, or uh, worse yet, I mean, one of the things I was listening to last night, talking to a lighting designer who does a lot of events that are held in Washington, D.C. on government properties. And they're all off now, even if they're private events, because it's closed. I haven't heard that the IRS agents are going home, though. That would not be They did. Bad. They did. <laughs> Signed <laughs> sign <laughs> right. They did. Actually, right now, I heard uh, IRS uh, operations are shut down, so if you're in the middle of an audit, it's actually on hold. They can't. They can't do any auditing because it's all. I would like to be joking about that, but, that's but, but no, this no. signs up on the IRS offices that if it's an emergency, the the I guess the local higher end officials, the appointees, are still on duty, but the clerks are all gone, and the, the there's an IRS office here at Stanford. They're closed. Yeah. So, I guess you know, to me, uncertainty hurts worse than anything else does. Sure. Right. 
it's the whole, I don't believe we're getting clear messages from the government on how long it's going to last or what they're going to do. I think the perception is that the U.S. government is pretty much out of control, that, that there's a minority inside the government that can stop anything from happening. And they're worried about that. I mean, especially the big electronics companies who all have massive government contracts. And, you know, I, I can see, you know, companies like Barco and Christie and Digital really hurting from the amount that they sell for control rooms and things like that, where the projects go on hold. All right, let's start the pool now. How long does this last? I don't think it can last very long. I, I think right now, no matter what side of the coin you're on in this decision, neither one of them are popular. You know, and politicians like to be popular. You know, they're going to make decisions because of popularity. They're going to make decisions that's going to end up improving their position or their equity inside of their inside of their role. So I can't imagine it lasting too much longer because neither side is very popular right now. Also, when you get to the point where it starts affecting, uh, uh, you know, some of the some of the funding for some of the schools. Right. You know, what if what if the teachers when the teachers are on furlough, that means students go home. When students are home, that means parents can't necessarily work or they actually have to find some type of alternative. You know, child care, but that, that and start, starts to affect the the workforce and social fabric. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you really uh, that also ha all happens at one time when that happens. So um, you know, we already had strain on the education system because of the furlough and because of a lot of funding mechanisms. So if that funding mechanism federally is taken away or expires by a certain date, then that ends up affecting a lot of things inside that realm. Um, you know, here at Everett Hall, our, our clients are are. By and large, I mean, the schools that we deal with aren't going to feel a fall off on that because they're almost all private schools. But our investment clients, the longer, uncertainty is the worst. If we could say we are making a massive cutback in government spending and we're cutting 20%, I think that would be better than letting it go on with a we don't know what's going to happen. Because the people on the trading floors that we serve here, are all waiting for people to call in and invest money. And I have a funny feeling that there's a lot of people sitting at home going, I'm not going to make a move until I hear something more positive than what we've heard. But I think, I, actually, I think that's exactly what, what business has been going through over the last four or five years is because, uh, unfortunately, they do uh, base their decisions on what actually the US government is going to do. And because of the uncertainty and, and the unstableness as far as the, the political party system you know, at such a complete uh, dysfunctional state uh, um, it, it's horrible that that businesses rely on on those decisions to make their decisions um, but and I don't know we can do it I mean I, I everyone you know I'm, I'm reading you know what you're seeing on comments based on all the different you know Fox or CNN uh, you read what's going on you know people everyone has their opinion on Facebook or LinkedIn or whatever you're just on any social site and it's you know everyone has the blame to throw at everybody else but somebody has to step up and say they're going to take charge and, and, and fall on the sword and try to get uh, get us working again I don't know if that's going to happen I, I don't know about you I, I mean uh, the, the, the voice that you just heard was Mike Macri who's uh, head of our finance area here at Everett Hall uh, and he's a politically observant person uh, I don't know about you, I watched the news until about midnight last night. I'm, I'm a, a late watcher. I did not, I, and every, all, I will say all three of the parties, the Democrats, the Republicans, and the Tea Party, which I think are actually becoming two different things, and that, that's a subject for another podcast. 
but I, I saw three different messages come out, none of which were reassuring. They all said, oh, we don't want this to happen. We're the ones that don't want this to happen. Right. Well, if you all don't want this to happen, where the hell's it coming from? Sure. Right. You know, and, and I didn't see anything from anyone, including our president, uh, that made me feel any less uncertain about the situation. I think what they all said through 20 minutes a piece of political rhetoric was, we don't know and it's not our fault. I think we see denial. I mean, this is like when my brother Troy and I used to argue all the time and it was, he hit me back first. It's all hearsay. It's all hearsay. And, and, it, and it's all very, um, you would think Ari Fleischer wrote all three statements because they all go on 20 minutes without saying anything at all. Uh, I mean, the problem is... You they're know, also all tying it to affordable health care, and they're tying the two subjects together, and really, you know, law was passed, and whether you agree or disagree, it, it should be, remain separate. It, it's law, it's um, to be carried out, and they're holding that as a hostage for this impasse. And Sure, well, at least it's not the war on Christmas anymore. Exactly. Um, and, you know, the mainstream media is choosing to center in on the fact that the systems crashed yesterday as everyone was trying to log on and get information. Well, you know, it's an unprecedented program never rolled out before so of course there are going to be glitches and the fact that that made as much in my opinion scare press tactics than addressing the real issue of the two parties coming together and getting past this and I can, is, I can, was more concerning and I can add that too with all the information I mean I have to handle the company benefits I mean granted I, I from what I know based on the, the benefits that we provide versus probably what's available in, in the exchange I, I think we do very well for our benefits, and, and a company benefits from that sense, you know, no pun intended. But the information that is given to us is completely, uh, it, it's, it's confusing. Uh, I, I don't think a lot of, even some of the insurance companies, I don't think they understand exactly what, what is there, because it seems like all the information is, is constantly changing uh, as week and weeks go by. But that should be a separate discussion, not Absolutely. shouldn't be tied to um, shutting down government operations and right. what that and the and the large scale ramifications that has to the global economy and so forth and how other markets are going to affect us. Let's let's right. table that. We can, you know, Obama has said he's open to tweaking, revising suggestions about the system. That's for another day. I mean, for but let's get things back rolling now. I mean, you know. It, you can you can argue and say that for large companies this is going to hurt you know hiring and everything. Look, a lot of large companies what they've been doing for the last few years anyhow is trying to avoid the, the benefits. Is we don't hire at a full time level, we hire at a part time level. So or we we'll contract only, it up. Yeah, we'll give you thirty hours, and but you're not entitled to benefits, and that's how we stay uh, viable in, in this uh, in this market. Whereas small businesses, small businesses like ourselves, look, we want to have happy employees and we want them healthy employees because if they're healthy, then they're productive. Now we pay for good benefits. And to be honest with you, for a small company, we do, I, I think we offer benefits just as good as, I, I came from a large law firm of over 200 uh, attorneys and a staff of over 500 people. And our, our plan is just as good as theirs. It's very competitive. And it's not, not as expensive as what they pay. I mean, it's manageable, but, um, you know, the fact that, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm neither side, so I'm, I'm not going to be partial to one side, but I think a lot of Republicans feel like that the companies are claiming that they're going to fail because of the health care issue. I don't necessarily think so because of the fact that the government is giving the option for the people to go out and get their 
own insurance. Um, so n nevertheless, the fact that House Republicans are using that as the bargaining chip to, to get the, the government working again is, is a wrong scenario because the fact of the matter is I don't think a lot of companies right now are looking at what the healthcare system is going to do for them for next year. They're looking at what is the government going to do so that they can focus on next year. Absolutely. I mean, and from, from my point of view, whether you're a Democrat or a Republican, and I'll go on record as saying right now I don't like either side, um, whether you're a Democrat or a Republican, the guy that you elected, you did not send to Washington to shut down the government. And, and, and regardless, I now hold them all responsible because to some extent they all are. Neil, Mike, you guys have a product that, I mean, we're all sitting here at this table because HyperSign has a product called Kid Gopher that we're all really excited about. Obviously, it sells to schools, and obviously the big market for that would be public schools. How do you guys see this being affected? I mean, if it goes on, if it goes on say, another month, how, will it affect Kid Gopher's potential? I think there's a possibility of it. I, I think that um, ultimately your school officials see security over their students as being a priority above everything else. Sure. And that, and we try our best to communicate that, that this is a product that will help them to achieve that goal. And, and I, I don't think that's necessarily just a financial decision. I'm saying a large part is, is uh, um, that they want to do that first. They, they're expected to do that before educating a student. But the longer and longer we go without their funding, it really, it really handcuffs them about what they can do. And I, I want to make a statement, I hope this is not terribly offensive to anybody, you guys may disagree or agree with me, but I, I find it offensive to think that a furlough, and it's not necessarily shut down the federal government, it's too temporary, we know it's not going to be permanent, but a furlough of the federal government destroys everything else. <laughs> you know, our founding fathers didn't intend for that to happen, a government by the people, for the people. Yeah. You know, that, that all, we, we're, we're all, everybody's about gloom and doom about what should happen. I'm not saying it's not a reality. I'm just saying that was not the intent of the foundation of this country. No, it wasn't. As a matter of fact, for that matter, I, don't, I think that there were two things that weren't intended in the foundation of the country. One was the development of politics as a career, right? Career politicians were not envisioned at right. the time. And the other was that, that you know, many of our founding fathers thought that a very negative thing to happen in the United States would be the formation of permanent political parties. And that's what we've got. We've got a deadlock between them. Sorry. I, no, no. I, I just I find it I find it slightly offensive that here we are as businesses, and and the fact that they're furloughing or they're taking these these days to be able to work out this budget stuff and shutting these things down, has really uh, has this ripple effect on all industries. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it really uh, that I really find that you know, are we so dependent on the federal government in every aspect of our our economy? That it shuts us down when they don't operate fully, and how how much confidence can that give us, knowing who's in office? You know, at a particular time, I'm not saying one person or another, but but really their priority or their uh, their objective is many times self-serving. It's not necessarily for the people they're serving, and um, uh, like the career politicians, they they kind of lose touch about what they are with other people. Oh, absolutely. You know, the art, have they been former business owners? Have they been inside the workplace, or have they just gone on through you know through college and straight into a political life? So. Um, I know this is pie in the sky. I'd love to get to a point to where we're not so dependent on those decisions being made. That our economy is strong enough to say, okay, we can we, we can get by without these services being funded for a little while. But our economy and the strength of our economy is our small business, which is the backbone. That's seventy percent of our employment base in the country is small business. And also, that's reflective in yesterday's numbers and today that the market didn't gyrate as much as people had feared. That was what yesterday, a hundred points, maybe not even. Oh, it was more than that. It was a hundred four points at the end of the day. Okay. And today, still about 
but it's unlike the last it's up time, two points right now. Oh, no, I'm sorry, it just updated. It's down eighty nine points. Okay. But unlike right. the last, last shut, was down eighty. But the last shutdown, it was far greater numbers. Uh, the reaction was far more severe. Sure. What we're seeing now is slow decline, and the longer it goes, the you know, a the decline will continue, and b I believe if it goes a long time, it will accelerate as foreign investors become afraid of the United States market. It's the October 17th date that's scary, mm -hmm. right? The October 17th date, if 18% if, if of our electorate can stop us from paying our bills, then you'll see a flight of foreign money out of this country like you would not, like none of us can imagine. October 17th could be a major red letter date in this country's history. And, and you know, that's why it's got to get solved before then. Because sending some people home on furlough, I can't understand why it would have a long-term negative effect. But telling the world that we're willing to spend their money and then decide not to pay them? Goodness knows, Rave is not predicting the demise of the United States hey. government. Not in our lifetime, I don't think. Not in this podcast. But, no. Neil, actually, what you were yeah. saying is, you know, as far as with kid girlfriend and trying to work with the schools and everything, you know, this this could be a setback as far as you know, and, and working with them because obviously money's involved. But two, the mindset. I mean, think about what it's going to take for them to get back to normal. Because you know, if, if it gets to a point where they're going to have to shut down the schools for a, a couple of days a week, you know, they have to get themselves all updated and get themselves back into the way things used to be. That puts a delay in even talk, it's in down talking business with them. That's right. You know, so your teachers they have a you know they have a curriculum that actually goes by the mm -hmm. by the calendar day of 180 days for a nine month school, and every time you take away from that, they they have to compress the remainder part of that schedule or extend it to the summertime months right. in order to be able to do that. And from an administration standpoint, you know, uh, students you have uh, you know in summertime they lose about 30 percent of their knowledge they've gained the previous year before they go back to school. So what happens in the middle of part of the year? Do you have to re revisit? some of those subject areas. Uh, from the safety side with Kid Gopher, uh, you know, I think all of us, nobody really wants this to carry on for too long. And I think from a business perspective, we know that, that uh, every organization, including schools, are gonna have their priorities when this thing goes back into place. And the, number one is to get to a regular routine schedule. Uh, because that's what, that's ultimately gonna give the children more security being in there. And you know, our product helps them in that, but uh, uh, we all hope it doesn't last too long because that's gonna affect you know, everything as far as being involved with those schools. Yeah. But. Okay, so one week from today, are we back here still talking about this? I hope not. I, I really hope not. Okay, how, how many, okay, there's five of us sitting here. How many of you predict that this will be over in seven days? Two of five. Okay. I think it'll take a little longer. Up to, up to two right. Weeks. I All think right. it'll be right up to that deadline, if not at that deadline. Chicken, the game of chicken continues. Yeah. From from my point of view, you know, owning I, and running a small business, that's that's the worst <laughs> thing that can happen. I guess I guess the question that we should have. I mean, history always seems to repeat itself. I mean, it was over twenty years ago that this happened, and the big showdown between uh, Clinton and uh, Gingrich. Yeah. What happened, and who benefited, and how did that compromise come about? So, twenty years later, we're back in ourselves in the same predicament. Exactly. What do we do to get back, you know, look, let's look at that scenario. How did it get to that point? How did they, the two of them sit down and, and, and hammer it out to come up with a compromise? And then in the long run, who benefited? I mean, I think the things US economy definitely benefited. Things are more polarized now than they were then, so it's even more troublesome. It, it is, but at the same time, that was 
I, I would say at that point, that was the beginning of the polarization. And, and it was very heated. I mean, that was, that was pretty strong stuff. So speaking of educational issues, my other issue is, why can't Johnny spell? And if we're going to reduce his school year anymore, then we're in real trouble. But, uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, in the long run, we'll be back here talking about this next week, and the uncertainty will have a, a definite effect on us. Well, I mean, even, even if things get resolved in a week, so you, you come back here next week, if everything is resolved, how long is it going to take before we can get back to normal? Okay. Well, we'll be back commenting on it next week. Thanks, guys, for being with us today. Thank you. <laughs> Well, that's all we have time for today. Actually, a little more than we have time for. But join us again anyway next episode here on The Week on Rave Radio. And don't forget, there's a whole lot more to listen to in our other podcasts on Rave Radio. Check them all out at www.ravepubs.com or on iTunes. Uh, and thanks once again to our sponsors, Hypersign, uh, both for being with us today and for being a sponsor, and Atlas Sound for sponsoring the show uh, and helping us bring it to you all this year. Actually, we're approaching our first year. Uh, check out some great stuff at www.hypersign.com and www.atlassound.com. And thanks once again for listening to Rave Radio. I'm Joel Rollins, and I'm wishing you a great week ahead. <laughs>